So we're going to have Freedom Friday. And of course, hey, I see mail coming in um, since I didn't get to do my Triumph Thursday. And you guys that have been with me for a while, you know, usually on Triumph Thursdays or either I'll do it on Saturdays, really try and show you an inspirational, motivating video. And man, do I have one coming up for you guys during this segment tonight. When I think I know I when I first came across it and I was saying, God, tell me what it is that you want me to talk about tonight. So in fact, uh, I sit down and I start going through Facebook and I'm like, oh, because y'all know I love me some Goldcast, right? Any of you that are familiar with it, I love Goldcast. And you can get lost on that site and be like, man, I've been here watching video after video, but this one is really, really powerful. And hence why I titled this lesson, It's a Great Day to Be Alive, because sometimes we're going through so many things, you know, internally, externally. We tend to forget that. We, um, a little bit of our graciousness, you know, gets put aside. So we're going to have Freedom Friday and talk about why it's a great day to be alive. Well, first of all, you know, we're just covered in grace. I mean, that's a good reason in itself. But let's open this up with prayer before I get started real quick. Father, I pray for the words that will be sown into our hearts on this evening. Watch over them, protect them, Father God. May they uh, may they take root and allow them to produce wonderful things, things of beauty and great blessings to many, Father God. The grass withers and its flowers fade away, but the word of our Lord endures forever. Amen. Let's get into this, guys. I'm really excited about it. As I said, I titled this, Today is a Great Day to Be Alive, because when I came across this amazing video, um, the guy's name is Ian, and his story, just listening to it, it made me come up with a long list of things. Not only had I, you know, already from the time when my feet hit the floor saying, God, thank you, thank you. I'm grateful for this. I'm thankful for this. Um, but after watching this, it made me double down and, and even go through more and be like, my gosh, God's grace. It, I just can't say thank you enough. And I'm telling you, I think you guys are going to really like this. And we know that, you know, sometimes time, um, time, times are not always enjoyable, but you know, the thing that, consoles me is to know that the Lord is always on our side. As we talked about earlier in the week, how the scripture says, you know, our God is always with us. But, you know, and let's look here at Paul in Philippians 4, another one of my favorite passages, you know, and Paul says, for I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances, but sometimes we're dealing with something that's so deep, it's hard to center ourselves in that. So that's why it's important to make that a habit. The first go-to so we don't sit with the worry because you know worrying solves anything doesn't solve anything I've done a scope on that before worrying solves anything it just adds you know to the gray hairs the wrinkles the stress it just you know the blood pressure and then you have to go to the doctor and the doctor's trying to figure out what's wrong they're like well we don't see anything but we left out all of the stress all of the internal things that we're dealing with that they can't see right um and if a lot of us, if we, when we unload that stuff, we start to feel better. So just like Paul in Philippians 4, I, re we, uh, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in 
in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Wow, powerful, no matter how many times you read that. And if, you, if you're familiar with that passage and knowing everything that Paul had been through prior to that, everything that he was going through at that moment, but to be able to stand strong and say, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances, no matter how the storms are brewing, no matter what is coming at me. Hey, hey, glad to see you always thankful. No matter what is going on. I mean, it can be some mighty storms raging in our lives. But if we lean back on this passage of scripture, on this passage of scripture, just by itself, for I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. And I want to look at two things here also real quick um, before I run the video. Discipline, uh, you know, it's the two Ds, disappointment and discouragement that set us back sometimes. And, and I like to go through and get the exact definitions of these. And what I came to realize disappointment that's unavoidable because, you know, we expect things. We, we look to people, they um or even circumstances we have no control over. So disappointment is unavoidable. The thing is, discouragement, that's a choice. That's up to us whether we want to sit around and be discouraged or not. So let me look here. So I, I pulled it up here. Um, let's do disappointment first. Disappointment, the feeling of sadness or displeasure caused by the non-fulfillment of one's hopes or expectations. Or it can also mean a person, event, or thing that causes disappointment. Now, discouragement, the definition of that, a loss of confidence or enthusiasm, dispiritedness. So when you compare the two side by side, that's how I come to the conclusion. Discouragement is a choice for us to sit around and mope and groan and say, well, you know, I, everything that I've been through, look what I'm going. No, that's a choice. And you can come out of that, right? And it's all about, as I've talked about, um, you know, on many, many scopes, as I talk about in the book, it's about changing our viewpoint. You know, the one of the main reasons, you know, I gear and guide my scopes the way that I do. You know, I usually finish out and say, I hope I've said something that's changed um, your vision a little bit, changed the way you think, change your perspective on the way that you're looking at things. So we have to change our viewpoint or else we're just going to stay stuck in that discouragement. And don't let somebody else come along that's discouraged and add on to that, you know, that landfill effect. They back their dump truck up onto us, dump a whole bunch more stuff on. And then we're like, well, man, I was already feeling bad. But now after talking to them, I feel even worse. You, 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 um, you know what I'm talking about? Because I've been in that situation before. So we have to be very careful and guarding ourselves with that, right? So disappointment, unavoidable. Discouragement, that's a choice. And it comes down to changing our viewpoint, changing our perspective, the way that we're seeing it, right? So one of the first things that we have to do and, and it's often a hard thing, depending on how long that you've been dealing with it, not something that's not... Um, 
that you aren't able to uh um aren't able to accomplish not something that's out of reach because you know I've done it there's plenty of people out there that have crossed this hurdle so there's plenty of people to say hey I've done it you can too right so the first thing is to look within and ask the the hard questions ask yourself those hard questions um the same way I list them out in the book you know how did I end up this way right misery truly loves company and, and if you get so mixed up and caught up in that, you just end up like, what in the world just happened? And, and you are already feeling, you know, about this big, but then by the time, you know, person A comes with their dump truck of problems and drama, then the next person comes along and you're just feeling even worse. But sometimes we, we aren't cognizant and we don't realize that's what's happened. And because I talked about on a scope once where I couldn't figure out, hey, welcome, welcome. It was a Monday and I was like, man, I had a good weekend, but why am I so tired? Why am I feeling so drained? It was because over the course of that weekend from that Friday all the way up until early, early a.m. to that Saturday, it was a problem, um, taking on problems weekend. Okay, let me see how I can help you. So pretty much, you know, putting up the sign and saying, come on, the landfill's open, dump it. But then I didn't have, once I ended up with it all, solved everybody else's issues, you know, well, help to solve, sent them on their way. And then I'm like, man, I am just drained. That was a rough, rough Monday. And actually, I believe I did a scope on it either that Monday or that Tuesday. Once I realized it, and was like, we have to be careful and aware and watch when that's happening, taking on too much negative and it'll just weigh, weigh us down and sink us even more. So we have to be very careful of that. So we, um, so in changing that viewpoint, we have to look within and saying, what caused me to get this way? Now, how long have I been like this? What caused all of this? And being honest and sincere, because we know we can't be sincere and honest with anybody else. I can't be sincere to any of you on the other side of this screen if I'm not sincere and honest with myself. So we have to be able to truly look within, get our journals, whatever it is that we we write these things down on and say, you know what? I need to learn to be honest with myself and answer those questions. So then the next thing you're going to do is you're going to say, we're, we're going to look up. So we've looked within. Then we're going to look up because we know our sovereign God is up there. You know, he's with us at all times, as the scripture said. You, we look to him for the guidance. We don't go, oh, well, no, I'm a back. I was going to say we don't go, but we do tend to go to outside sources, going through, oh, let me see who I can call to help. Oh, who can help me with this? You know, we look to man first to try and solve the problems instead of first looking up and saying, God, give me the guidance that I need to deal with this, right? So then after we've looked within, you know, we've looked up, you know, to God for that guidance. So then a lot of people, now this one here, I have to put in the disclaimer. We're going to look back. But we aren't looking back to wallow and have a pity party, uh, a self-pity party and beat down and just um, break out the, um, you know, the, the wine, the cheese, and you know, what they say, you want some... Um, 
Uh, what's the thing they say? You want some cheese to go with that wine when people are just nonstop whining and, and complaining. That's not why we're looking back. We're looking back at all of the things that God has brought us through before. Every hurdle that he's helped us over. Everything that we've been through and saying, man, okay, now he did get me through that. So I've looked within, I've looked up, and I'm looking back. That's the reason we're looking back. Only for that reason, we're not looking back again. Like I said, to have that pity party and the old uh, and the old woe is me, oh poor me. You know, I'm I'm never gonna amount to anything. You know, yeah, they said I wasn't gonna grow up to be anything. They said I would always be stuck here. I'd never get out of this community. I'd never get the job that I want. I'll never be able to start this business. Well, we can't look back into that. We're looking forward. We're looking back at the blessings that God's already passed on to us. Then we're gonna immediately turn around and look forward towards that future and start working towards that because we can't stay stuck in that looking back, looking back in that rear view and reminiscing because most of those things that God has delivered us out of, he wants us to stay out of them. But us, sometimes we're a little hard-headed. We want to try and tiptoe backwards and say, well, let me just look one more time. Maybe I misjudged. Maybe I you know, left that relationship a little too fast. Maybe I left that job a little to, you know, maybe God didn't really want me to leave when we clearly know he's delivered us out of it, you know, and, and, but our flesh is saying, but I really wanted to stay. And God was saying, well, it ain't what you want. It's, it's what I'm doing here. And this is what we're going to go with. Right. So that's what we have to do. And, re and, and you know, realize that God has a will, a purpose, and a plan for our lives in order to get through this and learning to be content, as Paul says, in whatever circumstances. So that brings me um, to the video that I came across. I'm telling you guys, I was just like, wow. And I watched it a good six times when I first saw it. Now it's about, um, I believe it runs about eight minutes or so long, but I'm telling you, this guy's story, his name's Ian it is amazing. And again, where I got my title today, today is a great day to be alive. No matter what is going on, no matter what you've been through, no matter how down and out, how chained up, how in bondage you may feel, you may not be feeling well, but yet and still you're here. It's a great day to be alive. And we need to learn to rejoice in that no matter what the circumstance, right? So I'm going to run this video. Um, and then, you know, I'd uh, be interesting, you know, to see what you guys think about it. Get some, um, let me pop this out right here and be able to get some feedback on it as I run it. Because, again, I'm telling you, I, I, I'm just inspired by it every time I see it. So let me mute myself and I'm going to run this video. I hope you guys enjoy this. Um, his name is Ian Humphrey. Check out this amazing story here. My grandmother was known for saying things that would kind of make you a little angry because they made so much sense and you couldn't argue with her. <laughs> parents, you know, there's things that you, when you become parents, you start to say to your own kids. Like my grandmother would say, now son, you knew when you laid down there last night that you had to get up this morning. <laughs> I don't know why every single morning you lay there and act surprised. You ought to be thankful that the Lord saw fit to wake you up this in your right mind. <laughs> but what my grandmother was encouraging me to do was simply to be grateful 
for the opportunity. In spite of all that I had been through in my life, she just wanted to make sure that I understood the opportunity that I've been given. My life got started, it was a little rough, it was a little rough start. I was born two months premature. My mother was walking up a flight of stairs and she didn't know this at the time, but a woman she had had an argument with earlier was standing above her holding a pot of boiling water. As my mom made her way up those stairs, that woman dumped that water onto my mom and sent her tumbling down the stairs and into premature labor. She received third degree burns to over 25% of her body. And when we were finally allowed to leave the hospital, as you can imagine, my mom was in a great deal of pain. Those burns just nearly, barely missed her face and covered most of the front of her body. So when we got home, she began taking a heavy sedative, pain medication to help her recover. When she took that medication, it was very difficult for her to watch me, so I would bounce around a lot. I'd stay with my mom for a little bit, and then I'd go stay with grandma, and I'd stay with some neighbors, aunties, and then back to my mother's house. I did that for the first three years of my life. When I was three years old, I was back at my mom's house, and I got into her purse, I found that medication, I swallowed everything in the bottle. When they found me, they rushed me to the hospital, and my heart would stop, and eventually I went into a coma. But because of that accident, because of that incident, the state of California, they did an investigation. And the conclusion that they came to was that it wasn't an accident. They removed me from my mother's home, I was made a ward of, the, ward of the state, and eventually I went into the foster care system. Shortly after I arrived to one of my foster homes, my foster mom, her name was Miss Alexander. Miss Alexander began locking me inside the closet with no light. She'd open the closet door, she'd kick me, hit me with a stick or a strap or whatever she could, whatever she had. It was while I was in that foster home that I was sexually abused for the first time in my life. And oftentimes people will ask, you know, if that has to be the worst thing that could happen to someone. I have scars on my body that you can't see. I have a burn here in my hand that she put there with an iron. But all of that pain went away. The worst thing that Mrs. Alexander would do is she would open the closet door she would stand over me, and she would say, you're stupid, and you ain't gonna never amount to nothing. And that hurt me more than any of the physical kicks or the physical pain because I believed it for a long time. I believed that, that I would never amount to anything, just like she said. I didn't know this at the time, I found out a little bit later, but my grandmother, my hero, she had started going back and forth to court, trying to prove that she could take care of an active, handsome little boy. <laughs> And eventually, the state of California, they granted her full custody of me. And I'll never forget, I was, I'll never forget standing on Miss Alexander's front porch waiting. She had my little belongings, everything that, that I had. I remember standing there, it may have only been a half an hour, but it felt like an eternity. And I can remember thinking, maybe no one's coming. But after a while, at the end of the block, I see the ugliest car I've ever seen in my life. And the car pulls up right in front of the porch. <laughs> and I remember all I could see are these two big glasses, bifocals. And I found out later that Grandma had glaucoma. She wasn't even supposed to be driving. <laughs> but she gets out of that big car and she's got on this white floppy hat with this, it was a flower right there in the middle. And I remember she had on this long white dress that came all the way down to her ankles. And I found out later that, you know, that was Grandma's Sunday best. It was an outfit that she only reserved for special occasions. I can remember for once in my life feeling like I was on a special occasion. But I remember jumping into Grandma's arms and squeezing her, and I remember her whispering and saying to me, everything's okay, you're family. And everything was okay, just like Grandmother said. 
and I had a lot to look forward to. I found out that my mom was going to court trying to prove that she could take care of me. And I can remember sitting there with my mother and we, we talk and we had a lot of different conversations. One thing I can remember saying, Mama, you know, one day when I get big, I'm going to buy you a nice house with a fireplace. I said, Mama, one day I'm going to buy you a nice car. I like grandmama, so get you a nice one. <laughs> but the truth is, I just really wanted to become a family again. And that's what I looked forward to. When I was 12 years old, I was asleep on my grandmother's floor. It was about 4 o'clock in the morning. We get a knock on the door. And it was my mom's roommate. Miss Howe, Miss Howe, come quick. Miss Howe was my grandma. She said, come quick. It's, it's Ruth. Ruth was my mom. She said, I can't wake her up. I think she's dead. And I can remember laying on that floor, you know, kind of wishing it was, thinking, hoping that it was maybe a dream. But it wasn't. And that's how I found out that all the hopes and dreams and things that I had to look forward to weren't going to happen. I became very angry. I became confused. I was hurt. I didn't really understand what was happening. I started acting out, hanging out with wrong people, breaking into houses, started stealing cars. I can remember not really caring what happened to me. I continued that behavior until I was 19. When I was 19, I was found myself standing in front of a judge. I was handcuffed. I had a chain around my waist and my handcuffs were attached to that chain. The judge looked at me and says, the state of California sentences you to 15 years in prison for armed robbery and assault with a deadly weapon. That day when that door closed behind me for the first time as a convicted felon, I remember standing in that empty cell I remember my knees started to get weak and they started to shake uncontrollably. I ended up, I collapsed and I fell to the floor and I just started crying alone. And I can remember hearing voices. I heard the voice of my foster mom saying, you're stupid, you ain't gonna ever amount to nothing. I heard the voice of family members and friends of family that said, that boy's gonna end up just like his father. My father was a career criminal, he died in prison. I can remember laying there thinking to myself that this is where I'm gonna die. But here's what happened that would change my life. Shortly after I arrived to that prison, there was an educator there. His name was Charles Lyles, six foot three, ex-Marine. And I don't know what it was about me, but every time he saw me, he'd say, hey, Mr. Humphrey. And he had this big smile on his face, a smile that my kids would say, that's creepy. <laughs> but he'd smile and he'd say, hey, Mr. Humphrey, how are you doing? He always called me Mr. Humphrey. He gave me that respect. He walked into my cell. He looked at me and he said, Mr. Humphrey, he says, prison doesn't have to be your life. He says, you can get out of here and you can do great things. He started to walk away and before he walked out of my cell, he turned around one last time and he says, Mr. Humphrey? I said, yes, sir. He says, I believe in you. He walked out of my cell. And if he had continued to stand there, he would have seen the tears running down my face because no one had ever said that to me. But I remember thinking to myself, I'm gonna make some changes and I'm gonna change my life. And a little over four years after the day I originally collapsed and fell to the floor, I walked out of that prison on the road. That was over 18 years ago. I've never been back other than to mentor and help other people. But here's what I know. I know that when you've had a rough life, when you feel unwanted, I know that when you have hopes and dreams and when you have things that you can look forward to and when you have people in place that support you and push you, I know that that gives you a reason to live. It is a great day to be alive. 
And that's something that I haven't always said, but now it's something that I say to myself every single day at some point. If I'm having a great day or a bad day, that's something that I say. But what I also understand is that what my grandmother was thanking her higher power for each and every day was for the opportunity that she'd been given. And she never missed an opportunity to tell anyone that would listen, especially me, it's a great day to be alive. I told you guys that was a powerful one, right? Wonderful, amazing story, you know, and just going through the transition with him, you know, from, you know, being taken away, you know, from grandma, from and grandma and mom, well, even, you know, from birth before that, you know, uh, being born premature, you know, and then taken away from mom into foster care, then being abused by, you know, the adult that's supposed to take care of him in foster care and then being sexually abused, um, also, while there, you know, losing mom, ended up in, you know, prison, but still coming out and realizing today is a great day to be alive. You know, there's not much more I can say after running that to finish up this story other than to throw in um, Ecclesiastes 7 and 14. When times are good, be happy. But when times are bad, consider this. God has made um, the one as well as the other. You know, therefore no one can discover anything about their future. If we if we look and reflect on John 16:33, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you would have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And just remember, no matter how bad things may seem, no matter what you've been through in the past, just remember each day, that day is the day that the Lord has made. Rejoice in it. You know, and just as Paul says, he learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. That's my message for you guys tonight. Because like I said, after Ian's story, I can't follow up with much after that. So I hope you um, heard something, you know, and what I said, and also, you know, and what he said throughout the video, give you something to reflect on a little bit. Um, Maybe change your perspective a little bit. Maybe opened up, you know, a door that had been closed or maybe a part that you had closed off and said, you know, I'm just so discouraged that I don't want to deal with it. Maybe now you're ready to step out of that discouragement, you know, and come out of that. Because like I said, discouragement, that's a choice. Disappointment, we can't, we can't avoid that. But discouragement, that's a choice. So it's time to come out of that and realize that today is a great day to be alive each and every day, no matter what's going on and what you've been through. All right. Until next time, as I always say, walk good, do good, be good. Tornado, I'm out of here. Be purposeful, be intentional. All right. I love y'all. I really, really do. You all know the Torah. 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 Torah.